takes me a little bit more to get organized than normal up here. Well, it's so good to be here today with my brothers and sisters, with my church family, both those that are online with us today and, and, and those that are, are here with us in person. If, if you're new with us today, uh, my name is Ken and I serve this family as pastor. And I'm so glad that you are here to worship today with the Crosswinds family. We're not perfect. I like to call Crosswinds the land of misfit toys. We're all a little broken here, but this is a place of love and restoration because of God's grace that's active and working here. Crosswinds family mission is to help every family discover God, his love, and his ways. And our mission is based on two scriptures. One, the great commandment of God, and, and let's read it together. It should be up there if we could pop up the great commandment. Let's, I'll start it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Well, great job, everybody. And I hope you're learning that, and that's coming into your heart. That's what we've been working on. The other scripture our family's mission is based in, on is Jesus' great commission to his church. And I have some giant chocolate bars here for anybody today that can stand up and recite the great commission for me. Oh, darn. <laughs> you got it? Okay, okay, we got it. Go, go for it. Who's got it? Go for it. Oh, he, he had the mission statement, so let's give him a big hand. He had that down. Um, uh, the Great Commission, Jer uh, Jason, why don't you do that? <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the father and the son of the holy spirit <laughs> teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you and i'm with you always to the very end of the age try it again <laughs> Teaching? Very good. Let's give him a big hand. And so, Jason, I have a chocolate bar that you can share with Jonah, okay? Because you both kind of got that. How's that? Um, I'll let you come up for that later. Oh, Mike, you can take it back to him. Thanks. And, um, you know, brothers and sisters, we're in a, 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 a series uh, called Moving Forward in Faith and Faithfulness. And thank you for all who are faithful in, in working on memorizing the verses and uh, our mission statement. Um, last week, I asked you to be faithful to the call uh, to love your neighbors and, and start making disciples by signing up for a service called Bless This Home. So you could start praying specifically for your neighbors to know Jesus. And, and so here are some of the stats in this next slide of, of what our church family has accomplished so far. We, we adopted 359 homes to pray for, and we prayed for 313 of them. Uh, we identified 27 of our neighbors that we have 
shown acts of kindness to, that we've kind of gotten to know him. And we shared the gospel either now or in the past with at least 11 of them. And maybe uh, we've started to discover that some of them are disciples and, and, and we're starting to work forward in faith with them. It, uh, this is a great start for us in moving forward this year in faith and faithfulness. And, and today, if you have not yet stein, signed up with a, a, a QR code, you can track each week how our family's doing on our prayers on our app or on our website and um, let's continue to encourage one another uh, to move forward together in, in faith and, and faithfulness. Uh, I have a few more chocolate bars to give away to somebody who can stand up and share our mission statement again. Anybody else could, could stand up and share the mission statement? We've been working on this. Yes, Devin? All right, good job. She got it. Any, anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Awesome. Let's give him a big hand. We can tell who loves chocolate in this place. And some of you adults, I'll have kale next week if that's what will get you guys going. Some of you trying to be healthy, no carbs. Um, but here you go. Devin, I want you to pick one out and let your brother pick one out, okay? Good job. And, and, and take one of those cards. I, I want you to know it, because if it's in our heart, we're, we're, we're going to do it, right? Um, through this message series, we're, we're looking at every word of our mission statement. And today's word is family. Thank you, Devin. Those are the rest for me, because I knew it too. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our word today is family. And, and God, this week, as I started praying about this, led me to another F word, forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is relevant to everyone and needed in every family. If our family is going to fulfill our mission, we must be a forgiving people. After all, what was Jesus' life mission about? Forgiving the world of sin. And I was thinking about how important forgiveness is to my life. I've been married for 36 years now, and friends, that would not be possible if my wife was not able to forgive. I'm hard to deal with. Uh, uh, forgiveness is essential to a healthy marriage. You know, we've raised two kids, and without forgiveness being the value of our home and our life, we probably would not have healthy relationships with either of them right now. We might even be speaking to them with some of the hurts that sometimes happen in families. You know, I pastored this church for 17 years, and, and without forgiveness, I would have either quit years ago, been in jail for killing somebody, or lost my mind. <laughs> people betray you. People disappoint you. People criticize you. And they even attack their pastors. Here's the reality of life. Hurt people hurt people. And, and, and when we begin ministering to others, you become an outlet sometimes for their hurt. Many pastors don't make it if they don't learn how to forgive. You know, we lost a lot of pastors through the pandemic in this area because everybody was hurting. And the pastors often became the targets. The reality is we all get hurt at times living in this broken and sinful world. 
we're all offended by the sins of other people. And we, we tend to get hurt the most actually by the ones that are closest to us. Parents, we get hurt by teens that naturally rebel and, and say harmful things to us, even though we have sacrificed so much for them. Wives get hurt by husbands that, that don't show appreciation for all that they do for them. Husbands get hurt by wives that don't show respect for their efforts to provide and to lead in their homes. Bosses are hurt by employees who don't seem to care about the work that they are doing. Employees are hurt by bosses who don't seem to care about their needs. Children are hurt by parents who don't seem to give them enough attention. Friendships are hurt by gossip and neglect. You know, we can even be hurt or offended by God when we feel he is not listening to us or not providing what we think we need in life. You know, many today complain about church hurt. You know, churches are full of sinners, and and sometimes we're not so sensitive, and we miss opportunities to love and care for others. The reality is we all get hurt or offended in any close relationship with people. And without forgiveness, our lives and relationships are very difficult and very painful because the world is full of sinners. Sinners that will offend us constantly. You know, if you start listening to conversations, we hear a lot of complaints at the beginning of every conversation or throughout the conversation about people that have offended them. My kids are driving me crazy. Those politicians are just making a mess of everything. You know, my boss is being a demanding jerk. My, my, my teachers are not concerned about my kids. They, they don't do their job. My, my wife, she's never satisfied. My, my husband, he, he ignores me. Oops. Somebody's trying to call me from Africa. <laughs> um, uh, you know, people say things like, oh, oh, those people, those kind of people, they're just running down our neighborhood. And so if you listen closely to conversations, you will find that they often start with hurts and complaints. And this is an opportunity for us to have gospel conversations and to say, hey, I've not had the same hurt or problem you have, but have had similar problems. And here's something that has helped me. And then share the gospel, the good news of God's forgiveness for us all in Jesus and the power that gives us to forgive. Life is very difficult without forgiveness for everyone. I don't know how people survive because we all get offended constantly by the sins of others. We, we can even become offended by our own sin and behavior. And, and sometimes, like I said, we get offended by God that lets these sins create havoc in our lives. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no greater commandment than these. And that's impossible to do that, friends, without forgiving others, yourself, and God. Also, you will not be able to fulfill the great commission to make disciples without being forgiving. Because those you disciple will disappoint you. They'll betray you. They'll lie to you. They'll quit on you. They'll ignore you. They'll disrespect you. Friends, if it happened to Jesus, it it, it will happen to you. To help every family discover God, his love, and his ways is to be able to forgive everyone from every family that offends you. If you're not forgiving towards others, 
that offend you, friends, you're really not a faithful disciple. Didn't Jesus say when he taught us to pray, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors? If you're constantly keeping tabs on everybody who you feel sins against you and, you know, hurts you, you're really stuck in life. Instead of living in faith and faithfulness and moving forward. Roots of bitterness are choking out your joy and limiting the grace of God in your life. You know, forgiveness does not mean that the sin offends you is not real. People really do hurt us. We live in a fallen world full of sin, and that causes pain for everybody. Nobody is immune. One way we can help families is to help them accept the reality that that is true for us all. One reason we become so offended is we can have the false belief that we can have utopia right here in this world. Hollywood literature and culture can share a false view of a happily ever after life. That does not exist. It's a fantasy. Friends, if if you're married, you're married to a sinner who will sometimes hurt you. And you can exchange that one for another sinner, but you'll still be married to a sinner. And the real problem is they're married to a sinner too. Your kids are going to rebel. It's God's design that they will so that they can grow up and learn. If you have the fantasy of perfect kids, you will be offended by life when they naturally disappoint you as they learn. You, you can become disappointed in yourself and in God. But God's kids were not even perfect. Adam and Eve rebelled against him, and, and he was perfect. Often we are less offended by sinners when we realize that we all share that same problem. It is when we have the expectation of perfection of ourselves and others that we become hurt and that we become disappointed. See, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He, he was not in a fantasy that they, that they were good people or that they were bad people. He understood that all people were harassed and helpless in their sin. And he choose, chose to help us by loving us in spite of our sin problems. If you choose to only love people who do not sin, you're going to be very lonely. You're going to be very disappointed, and you're going to be very stuck in life. And you will not be obedient to God's mission. Another thing that leaves us stuck is the fantasy that our own sin is just not as bad as somebody else's. This comparison keeps us offended by the sins of others and distracted from growing and and, and dealing with our own. Comparison can also lead us into the fantasy that our Our sin is worse than anybody else's, which isn't true. But that can leave us stuck in despair and self-hatred. Forgiveness of others and self is the only thing that will get us unstuck in life. When we face the consequences of the offenses that sin causes from other people or from ourselves, sometimes we can get offended by God who allows it for his own purposes. And and we can become stuck in our relationship with him. Since sin is offensive, we, we feel justified on hanging on to the offenses, the hurt 
instead of forgiving it. And, and when we do that, we become really stuck. Sin is a reality. Sin offends us. But when we hold on the offense, it defeats us. We let it both destroy our relationships with God, ourselves, and man. What if actually the, the truth was that, the, that sin was not there to defeat us? but instead sometimes to grow us and even bless us. In the book of Genesis, there's a story about Joseph's life. And his own brothers sinned against him. They, they threw him in a well because they were jealous of him, and, and they sold him for some money to slave traders and, and then told his father he was killed by wild animals. That, that sin was a real offense to him. It was evil. But instead of being offended, he, he went on and he served his master well in Egypt and prospered. And then his master's wife lied about him and said he tried to sleep with her, even though he was the one trying to get away from her with his integrity. And he went to prison for it. And instead of sitting around being offended, he served well in the prison. He was so successful there that the prison guard put him in charge of all the other prisoners. That doesn't happen. And then, then he helps two prisoners interpret their dreams and he was promised by one of them that he would talk to the pharaoh about the condition he was in and he would get some help and instead the man forgot him in prison for two years and instead of holding on to that offense he he serves the pharaoh when the opportunity comes to interpret a dream and pharaoh is so impressed by joseph's wisdom in interpreting the dream about this coming famine to egypt he puts Joseph, a slave, in charge of all of Egypt, second in command, giving him all the wealth and power he needed. And Joseph is used by God to save all the people of Egypt from famine. And actually, all the people of the known world, including his brothers and sisters and father who had betrayed him. Instead of being offended by the sins of others that he rightfully suffered in life or that he suffered in life, and, and getting stuck, Joseph moved forward in faith and faithfulness. And, and later on, when his brothers feared Joseph, now that he was in power, and now that he was providing him food, they feared that he would do evil to him. And Joseph said something remarkable. He said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, Joseph because of the sins others put against him, was in a position to save the known world and his family because God allowed the other people's sins to harm him. The Bible says this in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Sin is not good. It creates an offense and it offends God but by faith and faithfulness, it is overcome. For those who love God, all things, including sin, the sins we commit and the sins of others, can work together for good. And because Joseph did not get stuck in bitterness and the offense of sin, he was not stuck. He, he moved forward throughout his life in faith and faithfulness, and, and God helped him and his family to see salvation. And, and that's what we need to do for the families of this world. 
his faith and faithfulness ultimately brought about the possibility of salvation for us all through Jesus who came through his family that was preserved through him moving forward. If we become offended and stuck because of sin, we're defeated and so is everybody else around us. But when we can forgive and move forward through a sinful world for God's purposes, we will see victory. It's promised. You know, Joseph could have been offended by the sins of his own people and his brothers and given up hope. He, he could have been offended by his own mistakes and given up. He could have been offended by God and allowed that all that God had allowed him to go through and just given up on God. But then he would have missed out on the victory God had for us all. When, when we don't forgive others, it shows a lack of faith in a God who can work through all things, even in the evil that happens to us in a sinful world. If we're going to help other families, we're going to do it by teaching them that sin is not greater than God, than a God that tells us to even forgive our enemies, that sin will not defeat us, and, and we do not have to hold on to the offense of it. You know, everyone has some tough breaks. The sins of others and even your own sins causes brokenness in our lives. And you can stay stuck in bitterness or you can make the choice to move forward in faith and faithfulness by being obedient to Jesus' call to forgive. Now, we all know we should forgive, right? We, we all know that we should forgive. And I, and I, but I think we all kind of put limits on it with some people. Uh, you know, Jesus was teaching on forgiveness in Matthew 18 and his disciple Peter came up wanting to put a limit on his forgiveness based on how many times or how much somebody had offended him. He came up in, in verse 21 in Matthew 18, he says, Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Peter thought he was being really gracious and uber spiritual by offering to forgive someone seven times. Most in his culture believed that you could forgive somebody three times. It was like three strikes and then you were out. And, and Peter doubled it and added to it, showing his spiritual willingness to forgive offenses. And, and Jesus corrects Peter and says 77 times, which to the Jews represented an infinite number of times. And then Jesus tells a parable to show the law of how his kingdom works on forgiving the offenses of life so that we will not get stuck and we can enjoy all that God has for us. And it starts this way. The parable says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle an account with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and, and all that he had and, and the payment to be made. You know, this parable is here to teach. It's a story to teach us a spiritual truth about God, who is the king in our story. And we learn first that we are all accountable to him for our sin, that our sin is like a debt that God needs repaid. And to show how large this debt is in the story um, of, of the servant who represents all of us, the servant owes 10,000 talents. 
Now, a talent is a way to measure that was used for gold and silver in, in biblical times. There was about 75 pounds. And, and in today's dollars, an ounce of gold is $1,935. So one talent is $30,960. Uh, this man's debt was 10,000 talents. So the debt that the man has is roughly almost $31 billion. And what Jesus is saying here is that all sin, any sin, is ultimately accounted by God and is an unpayable debt. Who here has ever lied? Whoever has ignored God and did their own things? Who has ever made a, a, a relationship with entertainment or making money more important than God? We all have, haven't we? We've all sinned. And we are all debtors that can't repay. And, and, and when, like this man, we, we meet God and come to sell our debt, we can't begin to repay it back. Everything this man valued in his life was going to be a total loss, sold to repay his debt, even his family. And so the servant, he falls on his knees and he implores the, the, the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And as the servant begs to uh, uh, have time to repay, he even sins by lying to God by saying he will pay. There's no way in a lifetime and, and all the work of his family that he could ever repay this debt. And so his lying just makes him more in debt to a good king. You know, how many of us lie to God about the seriousness of our sin, saying it's really not that bad. I just need time to clean up my act. It'll be okay. Or, or, or we say, oh, it's just not as bad as that other guy or girl over there. They're, they're the ones that are really in debt, not me. My debt is small. But the good king here sees the impossible situation the man is in. And he gives him mercy as he gives us in Jesus. Verse 27 says, Out of pity for him, the master, uh, the master of the servant released him, and he forgave him the debt. You know, today, if your fantasy is that your sins are too big to forgive, Jesus shares the truth with us of the reality of the abundance of God's generosity of grace and mercy to sinners. Friends, it's infinite, more than $30 billion. And Jesus is also teaching us the meaning of forgiveness, that it is to release any thought of repayment or any thought of penalty in the future. You know, the word forgiveness means to let go of. It means to completely release. You're set free. God himself accepts to pay the infinite price for the cost of your sin himself. He's willing to take the pain upon himself. See, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. God accepted the price for our sin, trading the life of his own son, one of infinite worth for our debt. You know, our sin offends God, and that offense has to be paid to satisfy his wrath. Instead of his wrath falling upon us for our sin, he let that wrath fall upon his own son. And we, the guilty ones, by faith in his goodness, are set free. You know, the last words that Jesus said on the cross is, it is finished, which in the Greek is the word teleo, 
which is an accounting term, which means to settle an account or to discharge a debt. Verse 28 says, But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. And so his fellow ser- and, and, and the servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Even though the man was given mercy of infinite value, he does not share that mercy with his fellow servant. Now, the the debt that this servant owed the man was not so small. It it cost him significantly. One denarii was a a day's wages for a skilled labor. So 100 denarii would be like three months of your income. The, the man's sin was costly to the servant. It, it had been inconvenient, and, it, and maybe it had been hurtful to the man's family and, and to his life. But friends, it was nothing compared to the mercy he had received from the master. We often justify not forgiving others based on the price or the severity of their sin, which has offended us. But forgiveness for a disciple is not based on the cost of the offense but based on the infinite price God has paid for them to go free. God has been merciful to us, so we must be merciful to others. Instead, this servant puts his fellow servant in jail because of his small debt until he can repay. And we do that relationally with others when we hold out forgiveness, wanting repayment or an apology or a a pound of flesh because of their treatment of us. Forgiveness does not seek to demand a sacrifice from the offender. Forgiveness requires a sacrifice of love from the forgiver. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before any attempt on our part was made to repay God for the offense of our sin, he forgave our debt. Even while we were still creating more debt, he chose to forgive us by his love. Real forgiveness does not look for any kind of repayment, even an I'm sorry before it is granted. Forgiveness is a a free act of love from the offended party. If you will not forgive others until the offense is made up for, you're not obedient to the grace of God that was given to you freely. Forgiveness means being willing to let go of all rights to retaliation and repayment. Verse 31 says, When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Friends, this is how unforgiveness, this is how unforgiveness gets in the way of our mission to help other families discover God, his love, and his ways. If we, if we claim to be servants of God and we make ourselves out to be liars then by, by, by not forgiving others. The, the text says the other servants of God were, were distressed. They, they see the hypocrisy of the actions of this servant. And, 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 and people see the hypocrisy of our actions if we're full of complaints about the offenses of other people. They, they know that we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. 
simply by how unmerciful we treat our fellow servants. The Bible says, if anyone loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen, 1 John 4.20. We can't be unforgiving to others because of their sins against us and claim to love a God who forgave by giving his best, his only son, to forgive us our debt. Our, our unforgiveness of others mocks everything he stands for, especially if we claim boldly to have received his grace. Others can be offended with God because after all, we claim to represent him and we're hateful. The master is definitely offended by our unforgiveness. It, it's, it, it's a cosmic disgrace to his grace. Verse 32 says, And the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? When we judge other people's sins as unforgivable, we are the ones that God calls wicked. We have willfully blocked the grace meant to pass through us to others. And if his grace does not flow through, do we really understand the depth of our sin and the price that was paid to forgive our debt and set us free? Verse 34 says, In his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. The truth is, if we're not a forgiving people, we are delivered from the freedom of grace that brings life into bondage, the bondage of the law, and the law brings death. You know, the word jailer here in the Greek is the word torture. So God's not throwing us in a condemnation or prison, but he's releasing us to torture. One, one that uh, the Greek word says that puts somebody in a rack to extract the truth. When we, we stay imprisoned by our own sense of justice instead of having freedom and life in God's mercy. Those who can't forgive are imprisoned. They're, they're trapped or tortured in life by their inability to let go of the sins of others. Medical studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of your heart attacks and improving cholesterol levels and, and sleep and reducing pain and blood pressure and your levels of anxiety and depression and stress. Friends, not forgiving people is devastating to our lives, to our physicality, and, and to our mentality. Your unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison yourself, hoping the rat that offended you will die, and you die because of it. Their offense against you may be real, but the consequence of holding on to it is greater than the offense. Now, I found that, that, that many who are tortured or become tortured with mental illness have great resentments and bitterness that they, they just won't let go of. And, and that unforgiveness allows the demonic influences to enslave them. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. 
we, we, we get angry about offenses, but to stay angry, it's allowable to get angry about offenses. Sin hurts, but to stay angry and to not forgive gives an opportunity for us to be oppressed by the demonic. Unforgiveness has great cost to our own freedom and our own joy can be lost. You know, the man in this parable seeks to, to choke the life out of his brother to redeem $30,000 in lost wages. And yet he ends up losing the benefit of being freed from $30 billion of debt. The amount someone has offended us is nothing compared to the loss we can receive for not forgiving. Verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now honestly, last night I, I could not sleep. I, I struggled with this verse all night. Because it seemed to me like a threat or a demand for us to forgive. And there's many scriptures that talk about that our forgiveness, like when, in the Lord's Prayer, that, that you know, forgive um, uh, our debts as we forgive others. It seems like it's, it's, it's something, it, it's a demand for us to forgive. And, and, you know, many that abuse us can demand our forgiveness. But then, is our forgiveness real? And, and, and so this can seem like or be taught like it's a religious demand for our obedience. And, and many of us obey it, but we don't really obey it. We obey it socially to save face and appear nice or, 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 or to appear to be, quote, the bigger person. But, but the last three words of this verse changed it to, for me from a demand because I realize that Jesus is teaching his disciples like Peter and me that try to have limits on their forgiveness because they want to appear spiritual in how they forgive. And, and these three words, from the heart, hit me. See, forgiveness can't be faced, faked. It, it, it can't be demanded. It, it comes from the heart. Have you ever made your kids apologize when they're fighting? I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. And they're rolling their eyes the whole time. It's really lame, isn't it? And, and yes, it's the right thing to teach them, and it's, it's polite. But forgiveness is not real until it comes from the heart. The Bible says we love because he first loved us in 1 John 4.19. Friends, we can't. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, unless it comes from a heart that loves. We won't make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us, unless that desire comes from our hearts, a heart of love. Forgiveness is not obedience to a threat. It's obedience to his love. Beloved, we will not fulfill our mission to help families without forgiveness because forgiveness shows people the heart of God. Our forgiveness must be genuine from the heart of God. We, if we can't let go of offenses, then have we really truly received the love of God ourselves? Unforgiveness is a sin, but friends, it's, it's not an unpardonable one. 
Um, it's not unpardonable at all. And, and, and we'll be forgiven if we'll seek mercy now and repent. Psalm 103 says this about the nature of God. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. For us to forgive, friends, these dusty, stony hearts of ours, must be converted to love and become hearts of flesh. And that happens when we see the love of God ourselves and allow ourselves to be changed by it. I want you to say this with me. The Son of God loved me and gave his life for me. Say it with me. The Son of God loved me and gave his life for me. Let's say it again. The Son of God loved me and gave his life for me. I want you this week to say that over and over all week until you believe it. And keep saying it whenever you struggle to forgive that the Son of God loved you and he gave his life for you. Forgiveness is not about a law. It's about love, which is higher than law. It's a response to the price God paid to love us. Jesus said on the cross, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he said that because of his great love. He knew our hearts were dust. He knew our frame. And yet he showed us love, recreating them, bringing these dead hearts to life. Beloved, an infinite price was paid to love you. A love that is not stopped by the offense of any sin. Jesus proved that when he walked out of the, day, the grave three days after he was dead, alive again. 1 Corinthians 13, 13.7 says, Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and it endures all things. The only way we can forgive the offenses of the sins that come to us is because his love is growing in us. Forgiveness is obedience to his love in our hearts. Today, if you have received that love, then prove it. Glorify him by forgiving those that have offended you, no matter how great the debt is. And do it not by threat, but by your heart, by the power of his love for you. Today, repent. Repent of holding on to the offenses Putting people, in, put in, put, put, putting people in prison, putting yourself in prison because of the sins they, they committed against you. And turn now and, and trust in the power of the love of Christ that has conquered death and will give you eternal life. Trust that on the cross, all of God's wrath for sin was satisfied. It was dealt with by Christ's love. And forgive the offense of others. And find yourself freed by his amazing love. Let us pray.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that softens my heart. And Father, I pray that, 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 because it reminds me of your great love for me. Lord, I, I pray today that, Lord, hearts have been softened and that those hard, dusty places that hold on to the offenses of life will be turned to flesh and that we will be given by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive, to truly forgive because of the mercy that's been given to us. Father, let us not be stuck in life. Let us not be stuck for all eternity because of our bitterness and our unforgiveness. Father, let us turn now and receive your grace afresh and anew. Father, if there's anybody here that has never received your grace, let them come before you right now and plead for your mercy and you are faithful and just and you will forgive their sins and you will cleanse them of all unrighteousness by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do a work of repentance in this place today that we may be people of forgiveness instead of people of resentment that we can fulfill our mission because they will see Christ in us. Oh Lord, do a mighty work in this place for your glory. Do a mighty work in each of our hearts for your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.